If you got your Bibles, let me go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to continue on uh, talking about prayer and, uh, and uh, just uh, hope you've been praying at home. Uh, continue and I hope your prayer life is picking up and you're beginning to pray. But we're going, to, we're going to talk about prayer this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to talk about the Holy of Holies. Daniel and Patty, I'm going to sneak in on their thunder. They're about to go to uh, talking about the tabernacle on Wednesday night. So I'm going to give you a little, little teaser before they uh, get ready to start bringing us uh, some good stuff from the tabernacle. So, uh, But I want to talk to you about prayer, and it's going to uh, take you to the Holy of Holies today. So uh, I'll, I'll explain that what that is if some of us uh, uh, may know, everybody may know that what that is, and some of us may not. So I don't want to take for granted that some of us don't know what the Holy of Holies is. So we'll talk about that in just a moment, and uh, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the worship that went on in this place this morning. God, we pray for those that are not here, God. We just uh, pray for uh, that you would touch their lives, God, that you would heal their bodies, God. Uh, several that have been, uh, God, uh, hit with sickness, and we just pray that you would touch them. God, we pray that you'd touch Russell, God, that you would heal his body. And Father, we just pray that you would uh, just move mightily in these situations. Touch Merle and others, Margaret, God, touch those that are, are, uh, want to be here but they can't be here. God, we thank you for those joining us online. Lord, I pray for Marcy this morning battling a migraine. God, touch her. I pray that you would heal her completely and totally, Lord, and uh, just uh, bless everyone here today, God. All those that are here, all those that are online, speak to our hearts, change our lives, draw us closer to you through the Word of God, and Lord, let it be you speaking and not me, God. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for it. We give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. If you got your Bibles, go with me to Leviticus 16, and uh, I want to read a couple of things out of Leviticus real quick, just to kind of give us an introduction, and then I'm going to, uh, like I famously do sometimes, I'm gonna, I want to give you at the end a little bit of another message. Not, it's not going to be a real message. I'm just going to read some scripture from an, uh, something that I, I shared last week, a portion of one of my favorite preachers, some of the stuff he's preaching, and he happens to be preaching on prayer a lot, and uh, it's kind of the way I want to pray in the altar. And uh, I believe it's a powerful way to pray. And it's, uh, we've talked about focused prayer and different types. There's a lot of prayer that, that is mentioned in the Word of God, more than you think. I've just been going through my Bible as I read now in the mornings. And I've just been underlining, and he prayed. And they made an altar. And man, it's there. It's there a lot. And there's some cool kinds of prayers. I know uh, Wayne back there has been going through the Bible and finding all various prayers in the Bible and reading those prayers. And so, uh, but, uh, so, so begin to look at that and see see that and see the way men and women prayed in the scripture and, uh, and, and, and look at how, how that can pray, revolutionize your prayer life. But if you got your Bible, go to Leviticus 16, 2 through 3. And again, the title will be the Holy of Holies. And uh, look at what the Word of God says here. And it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil. But so, so there was a, a tabernacle, real quick, before I finish reading that scripture. The, the, the tabernacle was the place where God uh, designed so he could meet with peop the people of God. He, he placed Israel in the, in the center of the world, so to say, and, 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 and decided he was going to have a people after the fall that were going to worship God. And, and he was going to meet with those people, but he couldn't meet with them uh, like they were in a sinful state. So there was all kinds of things that you will read uh, in the Old Testament, all kinds of preparation that had to go into. If you ever doubted the love of God, uh, God went through a lot of trouble to be with you. 
Yeah, a lot of effort to be with mankind. So, uh, uh, and, and, and so uh, he, he, builds, he tells them to build this tabernacle, which is a, a, just, a, just a, a type and shadow of the heavenly tabernacle. It's just, a, it's just a model, so to say, of what's in heaven. And he gives them the design. He gives Moses the exact design. First, it's a tent that they set up, this tent that they move around. And, and in that tent, and you, if you want to know more about it, come on Wednesday night because you're going to learn a lot more about it and how it correlates to Jesus Christ. And, and, and what it really was a type and shadow of. But, but that, that tabernacle or that tent of media was a tent, tent that they tauled around at first until later they came into the land. Then they could build a, a permanent structure uh, called the tabernacle. And in that place, there were three, uh, there, were, there was an outer court and there was an inner court. And then there was a holy uh, of holies or a most holy place. And that was the place where only, uh, where God dwelt. That was the place where once they had sanctified everything and they had gotten everything just right. The glory of God came down. The Shekinah glory came down in that little box, that little room, uh, so to say. And only the priest could go in one time a year. One time a year, one man could go into that place, into the very holy of holies, into the presence of God, and, and, and make atonement for the people of God. And God would accept that. If He accepted that, then people would shout and celebrate because their sins were atoned for for another year. But, but we have something so far greater in that. That was just a temporary solution to a problem until God was going to come and it had another plan since before the foundation of the world that I'm going to redeem a people for myself forever and they will be my people and I will be their God and I'll see them face to face and I can, I can meet with them all the time and they'll have open access to my presence always. And so the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come in at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark lest he die for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat his presence will appear there thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood this is how he had to come if you don't come with blood without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin he had to come with blood with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and as of a ram with a burnt offering now look at Hebrews and look what it says in Hebrews 9 through 12 12. Look at look at how wonderful we have it in the new covenant. Because here it says, not with the blood of goats and of calves, but with his own blood, he, Jesus, entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Yeah, that ought to make you clap. For if the blood of the bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer and the sprinkling of unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God and look what it says and for this reason he is the mediator of a new covenant Moses had a, had a great uh, covenant there but I'm telling you what it doesn't compare to the new covenant that's why we spent a year preaching on the new covenant because if you don't get it uh, that, that's what sets everything apart Everything that was done in the new covenant is amazing by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. Eternal inheritance. So now we can come in 
boldly. With, on that cross, something happened so amazing. So that's why, that's why we sing, so mighty, so holy, so wonderful, such an awesome God. And I don't know how you can stand there still because He is, when you know the truth of what He's done, for in the, and what a wretch, I was a wretch. I remember who I was. Come on. You weren't good. You were sorry. You were, you were the filth of the earth. But Jesus came. He came to us and He took us. And through His blood, he, is, he has made us ready and available. And we have access to God. He's washed us whiter than snow. He's washed us clean by the lamb, blood of the Lamb. And now we have a forever access. On that cross, and we're going to look for a, a moment. On that cross, uh, there was a veil that separated the, 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 the uh, holy place from from the most holy place. That was the first place you came to. Was this huge kind of do not trespass. You are not invited beyond this place. Until the cross. And once the cross took place, the, the curtain was ripped, God, from heaven down. It was ripped from top to bottom. And there was an access now by a new and living way through the blood of Jesus Christ. Really through the veil of His flesh. He really is the veil. Through Christ now, we have atonement and we have access to God by faith. Amen? And grace. And now we can come to God Anytime we want. Because of what? Your good works? Because you're all that and a bag of chips? Or because of His blood and His righteousness, right? Yeah. That's why we have access to God. And, and so there's a couple of things this morning that I want to I look at about the Holy of Holies. And I want you to see what these priests would have seen when they entered into this place. That now you can enter into. And I want you to see where, what they would have saw. You're going to see what they would have seen physically, but I'm going to show you what we see now spiritually when we enter this holy, the secret place. We've been talking about the secret place and the Father who invites you to come into secret. He will reward you openly. The one who lets you into this secret place where, you know, where we come and we pray to this God. We come into the prayer closet, into the secret place, into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. And, and, and so there's a couple of things. There's two things that are uh, mine as a Christian, right? Uh, a couple, there's many more that are mine as a Christian, but there's two things specifically. One of them is the fact that uh, I'm set apart now, right? You're set apart now. We're set apart from the world. That's what he was doing with Israel. He was setting them apart. It's kind of like you dicing food, those of you who like to cook. You dice up carrots or something and you move them to the side. You set them apart. God sets us apart. He sets us apart as holy and He sets us apart and calls us saints. We talked about that in Philippians this past weekend or past Wednesday. That He calls us saints. It's not just some saint you put out in your front yard or something you achieve after you die when you do a couple of miracles or something. No, we are all saints now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We, are, we all uh, uh, are set apart. We are all considered holy to God. Holy unto the Lord. And, and now that means I have access to God. And that's the part I don't want us to take for granted. And I think we do. 
I think because we have the presence of God now with us always, meaning I can continuously commune with God all day long. Like if I were to ask you if you pray, oh yeah, I pray, I pray in my car, I pray when I'm walking down the road, I pray when I go here, I pray when I go there. And that's true. And we have continual access to God. Now, we've been set apart. We have access to talk to God. And now we can commune with Him all the time. I can be laying in my bed and I can't sleep. And I can talk to God, right? I can be working on the job and something go wrong. And I say, God, i got a meeting in a few minutes. Please help me. And I can do that. But because of that, I do not want you to neglect what I think sometimes we neglect. I don't want you to devalue that and not meet with Him and carve out a time to meet with Him on a regular basis. Even though we can continually commune with Him all day long. Even though we're always in the presence of God. There is something that the Scriptures tells us is so vital and so so important to take time and to cut out and to be with God. To take time, it's not. It's like them. God set this uh, this this nation. Like I said, he took he took them and he put them in the center of the earth and he put them in this place where they were there. And then he put within the center of the earth this people called the Jews. Then he put within the center uh, that them in Jerusalem, the center of the earth. And then in the center of Jerusalem, he put a tabernacle. And then in the center of the tabernacle. He put a holy place where he dwelt. Okay? Where he wanted to meet with people. And I don't want us to overlook that even though they were holy, they had a place where they set a time. Now, we don't have a geographical, physical place necessarily that we have to do that with. We have time, though, that we set and carve out to be with God. Even though we're holy, even though we're set apart, even though we're in His presence all day long and can commune with Him, uh, we, we, we have constant, continual communication, yet we also have the wonderful privilege of slicing out a portion of our schedule that is only for God. And we talked about that last week. When you go into the door, into the closet, shut the door, and it's just you and Him. You, all distractions are gone. The phone, the, the, the baby crying, all those things. Whether you wake up in the morning and you're by yourself and there's nobody else awake or whether it's in the late at night whatever there is a place and a time that you carve out to go and be from God and when you're in that place you glean a lot of truths about God and you glean a lot of truths about yourself that you can't get in the distractions and the busyness of life when you're communicating with him continually throughout the day there is something special that takes place when you carve out time to be alone with your heavenly father. Amen? Amen. And you go into the closet and you shut the door and you talk with God and there is no other agenda and we just want to be with Him. And as a reality of that, our eyes get open to certain realities, to certain truths that cannot be found anywhere else. And that's it. in the days of the Old Covenant, uh, the children of Israel knew that they were a holy people. Like I said, they were in the center of Jerusalem in the, and there was of course the temple. The center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies and everything was, uh, about them was holy. They were a people set apart, but they had this one little place, this little slice of heaven, if you will, that they could go and be reminded of who they were if they forgot who they were. How will you know this people's different? Because my presence will go with them. 
How will you know? My presence is on them. When that ark lifted up and they began to go into battle, watch out, that ark is leading these people into battle. God's with them. I, I saw what happened when God was with them last time. Man, the, he, he defeated their enemies like nobody's business. I ain't messing with that. And so they, how will they know your presence goes with us? If they ever went into battle without God, without the ark of the covenant, then, then man, they got their tail whipped every time. Amen? They began to rely on the arm of the flesh. And so we go into this place uh, to this little slice of heaven that we can carve out in our day. And we can have time alone with the Lord, if you will. And it is there that we can see in the Spirit what this priest saw in the natural. We can see in this place different. If you will take the time and come apart with God, you will see things that you can't see any other time or any other way. For instance, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and there would be certain things that he would begin to be, become aware of as he began to make that journey from the, uh, from the outside, outer court, from all those, uh, the, 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 the uh, outside altar to the laver to the coming through of the outer court and uh, into the inner, inner sanctum and then into the most holy places. There were all things that he was kind of becoming aware of. And I promise you, if you'll take time and carve out with God and you'll get to be alone with God, there's going to become some realities that are going to come across you that you're not going to believe can happen in that place. And the first thing is, uh, is, is what I said a while ago. The first thing that this priest would have come when he's going about to go into the most holy place... He would have seen this veil that was so huge and so thick and so ornate that he would come to this and he would understand the fact, first of all, Daniel, that I am coming here by invitation only. That this is a privilege. That this is by, I'm being drawn here and invited here into prayer by the living God. This is not something that I can initiate or do. We have no capacity to interact with Him whatsoever, especially before Christ comes and rips that. There is no way you're getting through to God. And God, so the first thing the priest understands is I am coming to this place, this huge veil, and I am here by invitation only one time a year. Now thank God we don't have one time a year. We have access now always into the most holy place. Right? By a new and living way through the blood. So the first thing he would have come and the first thing I want you to come and see in the spirit realm when you come into this carved out time of prayer is I want you to come and see that veil. And I want you to see what a privilege it is that we are invited into the most holy place. We're invited into this little slice of heaven. We're invited into the very throne room of God to talk to our Father who is who sees in secret, and the Father who sees in secret, He shall reward us openly. Amen? Amen. Jesus was on the cross and He rent the veil, and really He was rending Himself. As I said, He was literally the, the veil that was torn in twain so that we have access to God through Christ, right? So He was torn. He was torn and ripped asunder so that we could have access into the most holy place, into the very heart of God. Amen? 
And so Hebrews says we enter into the veil, which is torn, the torn body of Jesus Christ. And we have an entrance into the heart of God. And that is the invitation of prayer. We come into the, of the holy place and God wants to commune with us. To know the heart of God for a certain situation. To know the heart of God for these complex problems we're in today. To know the heart of God in this place. And to appeal and petition God on behalf of our loved ones that we just mentioned. So many of them that are not here that need help in their bodies. They need to be healed. We have access now through a new and living way by invitation to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah, amen. But you remember the parable of the King, don't you? He was invited people to the wedding of his son. Just like he's inviting you to prayer and like I've been appealing to you week after week. Most of us, what do we do? We're like him. We're too busy. And so what did he say? Bypass them and go out there to the ones who are needy. Who need me. And I will reveal myself to them. Go tell them. The the ones that are needy and need me. Those that cry out to me. Tell them that, that, that there's a banquet spread in here. Tell me. Tell them there's a little place where they can come and go into the most holy place. And they can know me. Go out into the highways and the hedges and everywhere around you. And begin to grab anybody you can that needs me. And tell them that I have access available to them. That there's an invitation. That I invited everyone but they were too busy. They wouldn't come. They had to work. They had to take care of kids at Little League. They had to go here and they had to go there and they had to do this and they had to do that but they had no time for me. Away with that. Go get the people who need me. Hallelujah. And so he comes to us And he presents this veil to us. And basically what he's reminding us is not just seeing a veil like when we read. Read the Old Testament. It's phenomenal. But see beyond your physical eyes. It's not just a curtain there. not a bunch of badger skins. It's not a bunch of cords there. It's so much more. He is saying and bringing us to that place. And he's saying, this is what I had to do for you to get in here. My body had to be ripped. I had to be torn asunder so that you could come and speak with the living God. Why am I screaming? Amen. And so the invitation is to the cross itself. That's what it is. It's to enter into prayer in Christ Himself. And the veil is the embroidered invitation. It's like invitations to a wedding. Anybody send out invitations to a wedding? The more fancy they were, the embroidered stuff on them, the man I'd grab it and say, wow, I want to go to this, right? Come on, they're going to have good food, Luke. Right? We're not there for the show. We're there for the food, right? They're going to have good stuff at this wedding. It's going to be amazing. That's what the veil is. It's the invitation of God to say, I'm inviting you into a place that you cannot imagine. And so you come and you see this embroidered curtain, but you see that it's torn. And now that there's access into, you're invited into the very heart of God. And he reminds us when we come there that it's open. It's open. And so the priest next would walk through this veil and it would be this ornate curtain that's torn, reminding us that we now are in the presence of God and it's open to us and we have access to it. And when you entered into that place, you entered in to another realm 
I'm entering into another atmosphere. I'm entering into another realm. This is a heavenly place. This is a heavenly atmosphere, right? This is, there is something, there is something in this place. It's something called the heavenlies that is mentioned in Scripture. The reality that God's rule and reign is on earth as it is in heaven. Now He's ruling on earth as He does in heaven. And when they entered into that place, they would have recognized, I'm somewhere not earthly, my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm seated with God in heavenly places. This place is like no other on earth. And when we spend quality time with God, He reminds reminds us of these truths that you can't get from just hurrying along your day without carving out time to be with God in the secret place. He reminds you the earth is the Lord's and everything that dwells in it. He reminds us as you enter into the quiet place that God is all around you. We used to sing a song, it's in the front, it's in the back, on the right, on the left, inside, da, 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 da. I mean, he's everywhere. He's all over me. That's what the song was. He's all over me. It's on my left, on my right, in front and back, under me, over me. And he's living all around. I mean, you can't, he's everywhere. And that's what you would have come into that place. And you would have realized God's all around this place. He would remind you that angels always behold the face of your father. He would remind you that they're always reporting to God, going back and forth, doing the bidding of the saints. They travel like the wind. They're always watching out for you. We talk about demonic forces. Oh, it's getting bad. Demonic forces, demonic forces, demonic forces. Do you not understand? There's many myriads of angels out there as well that are God's messengers that are out there on behalf of the saints of God. And when you go into this place, you'll realize that you are in another realm and that God is doing your fighting. He's doing your bidding for you. And that, 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 uh, that, that, that it's amazing. If they would have kept looking, they he would have come in and recognized, I've gone through this open invitation. I'm now in this heavenly place, in this heavenly realm, on earth as it is in heaven. And then all of a sudden, he would have recognized the throne is there. The throne is there. No, see, I don't see any excitement on your face. God has invited you to his throne. See, you don't understand, I guess, kings in this culture. But when you went in, nobody goes into the throne of a king. That's why when Esther went in there to appeal to her people, she was committing suicide. You don't barge into the king. But God has invited you into the king's court. To the throne. He would have come in and recognized I'm in another realm. And now I see the throne. I see, I see the presence of God. I have, we're in the secret place. In the secret place with God. That's what he's inviting you to in prayer. In the presence of God. He would have looked up and seen the mercy seat. He would have seen where God dwelled between these two. He would have seen these two giant angels first of all. These two towering angels that are hovering over God and over the mercy seat of God. And he would have seen those. He would have seen this angelic realm. He would have seen the Ark of the Covenant that looked like a throne. And it would have reminded him of the wonderful presence of God. And this is what it sets us apart. is the presence of God is with us too now. And when you, when you carve out certain amount of time that you've been invited to with the presence of the Lord, then, then it brings everything. 
everything into perspective. You begin to see all of these things and understand all of these things. And you begin to embrace all, all the negativity that you've embraced from the world. All the things that when you don't go here, that it begin to bombard your mind and all the things that come in and, and, and get you to not believe this book. All of a sudden, you come in and one embrace from God causes everything to be overshadowed and overpowered and every sad or negative thing, Jeremy, begins to fade away. And you experience what you could never face before when you leave out of that place, right? One smile from God and it puts everything in perspective. We're bombarded with so much information that pulls us another way. It pulls us away from this place of prayer. And But one, one time back in there and all of a sudden that fades away. And we begin to go back in the right direction again. We begin to understand that God, I forgot what the Lord has done. I forgot what He's done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He saved my mind. He did all of these things just in time. Amen. And, and we begin to remind ourselves. We begin to understand when we enter into the secret place, into the Holy of Holies, and then we enter into there and we cut off every other lying voice and we shut down everything for a moment. And that's why he says, go into the, in there and shut the door. Because we shut up out, out, all the other voices and we begin to hear the voice of God. And that's the place where, I, like I said, I see the throne. And I'm reminded that God has everything in control. It's not Washington. It's it's not Donald Trump. It's not Joe Biden. It's not this one or that one. It's not the UN. It's not Russia. It's not any of these others. That God is on the throne. He's still seated there. Nobody's taken his place. Nobody's moved him off of that throne field. He sits ruler and king of all the earth. King of kings and Lord of lords. And if something is going on, it's because he has sovereignly and divinely allowed it to happen. Amen. The one who flung the stars into space. I'm reminded he lives. I'm reminded that he lives here. He doesn't just live there. He, doesn't, he lives here. He has moved into here. He's moved into me. And it causes us to shout. It causes us to, to, to our hearts to just leap for joy. And then they, the priests would have gone on in and they would have seen this God of the covenant. They would have seen the Ark of the Covenant. And they would have understood that, that, that they had breathed in all kind of skepticism from the world. But now they would go in and say, He's a God that takes care. He is a God that fulfills His promises. He is a God who cannot lie. That's the, that's the God of covenant. That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is the God who cannot lie. And they would enter into that place and where they've been breathing in negativity all day, now they would breathe in hope. Oh yeah, He fulfills His promises. Oh yeah, He's not broken one. He delivered me from the paw of the lion. He delivered me from the mouth of the bear. And He delivered me from that uncircumcised Philistine. And He will deliver me again. Amen. And so you go in there and you breathe in hope and you, and you breathe in His promises, folks. You know he'll, he'll fulfill every promise. And then you walk out of that room and you are filled with hope when you go to the job. You're not doom and gloom and despair. You now come out of that place where you are filled with the life and the hope of God. And all of a sudden, all those around you now can see that and they're drawn to that and asking you for the reason of hope that you have that is in your life now. Now, amen? amen. 
That's why under dark times, that's why under judgment, many, 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 many people can come to salvation. Do you understand that? Because in the darkest times, if you'll be the light of the world, if you'll come out of that place with, with God and speaking, spending in the secret place where you're in that place with Him and you come out of that place with hope again. Hope, oh, it's terrible. Oh, God, it's awful. We're going to get laid off. The economy's going to crash. All these things. What's going to happen in the future? And we become like that until we go into this place and we're reminded of God's promises and then we come out with such hope. Oh, yeah, He said it's going to be like this. Oh, yeah, He said it's going to get labor pains and birth pains and all these things are coming but he's in control and he will crush the wicked and he will bring in the righteous to a new eternal home where there is no more suffering and no more dying and no more death and so we begin to be reminded of that and we walk out of that place in such hope as the light of the world and people can get saved because they see that hope they see it in our lives. They, it, it, it's like this. All we need to do is to let that light shine. Because darkness flees when light is turned on. Right? If I was to turn all this on and you couldn't see in these windows. And then we begin to. It was total pitch black dark. And you turn the light on. Even the smallest light. A candle overcomes the darkness. And that's what God is calling us to in these last days. Is be a light. And so let your light shine before men. That they see your good works and glorify your heavenly father. Amen. It's like this, if, if these walls were blue and I turned off all the lights, I might could convince you that these walls are white. Right? But if I turn on the light, I'm going to have a hard time convincing you those walls are white and not blue. Because the light exposes the darkness and it tells the truth. And if we would be the light out there, the only way they can deny that those walls are, 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 are not blue is if they shut their eyes. You understand? It's time to be the light of the world. It's time to go into the prayer closet and to come out and not be as hopeless like men are outside of these walls. When they look, uh, they will see two things in our lives that will come out that way. They will see what they have done with the world. Made a mess of it, right? God gets the blame for everything we've done, what sinful man has done. They will look at what they've done to the world, and then they will begin to see the hope that is in Christ and the hope that is in the Christ that is in you. They'll realize that there is hope because of the hope that is rising up in your life, that he's faithful to his covenant. Then when they went inside that place, and if you'll go inside that place in your secret time of prayer, they would have seen that the holy place, or they, they would have seen the Ark of the Covenant. And they, that's this idea of going on, on the Ark of the Covenant would have been this big mercy seat, like I said. And there would have been when they stay on the outside for too long, when you don't go in there, when you just communicate with God, oh, hurry, and I'm going to work, I'm going here, I'm going there. You don't see these things. You don't get to see the things that you see in secret with God in the most holy place, this carved out time where you need to be with God. And when you stay out of that place for too long, what begins to happen? The devil gets in your ear and he begins to condemn you, doesn't he? Oh, Gabe, you're not saved. 
Ah, oh, Gabe, God does it. He's not merciful to you. You've crossed the line one too many times, buddy. You know what you did last week. You know you slipped up. You failed him one too many times. And he begins to convince you of those things. But when you come into the secret place, into the most holy place, and you stare upon the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, what they had to do on the mercy seat was they had to bring blood. And they had to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And what you're reminded of when you come into that place and when God shows you this is He has mercy for me. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Devil, you can't get me in here because I'm reminded that, it, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And I'm reminded that when I come in here and confess my sin, He's faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So devil, you could mess with me out there, but you can't mess with me inside of here. God has showed me things about me and about Him, and I'm safe and secure under the blood of the Lamb. Amen? So you come in and you see the mercy seat. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed from all unrighteousness. And and then you come in knowing I can acknowledge my fault of what I did do this week. That if I did fail this week, Shanae, there's mercy there. There's a God who I can confess my fault to and He will forgive me. And so there's mercy waiting for me. We come to the mercy seat and acknowledge our frailty. We acknowledge our fault. We say, God, help me. Wash me. Recalibrate. Recalibrate me. Get me back on the right path that that, that I was on. Do that. We lay prostrate before Him and let Him do that to us. And then another thing that that this priest noticed was the ark of the law. In the ark was the law. Right? Inside that box. They called the Ark of the Covenant that was in the most holy place. There was a couple of things that were, they were told to put inside of that box. And one of those things was the, the, the law. Right? The Ten Commandments. That's your Bible. And what that tells me is when you come into the presence of God, when you come into prayer, bring the Word of God with you. God wants to open up the truths of His law. He wants to open up the truths of your Word. Even if you don't carry it physically with you, carry what's already deposited in you that you've been reading and let God be able to speak to you in this most holy place. Get to know Him. Begin to ask Him things. God, why does your Word say this? Why? What does this mean? And begin to go into that time a prayer in that most secret place and holy place and have the law with you and ask Him things that you need to ask. He wants to unveil them and reveal spiritual truths to you like never before. Amen? Like what the tabernacle means and all of these other things that He wants to show you in the secret place. That's not just for some preacher. That's not some for some theologian or some super uh, spiritual person. That's for every believer that's here. Amen? And even though we have the privilege of talking with the Lord anytime and anywhere, I'm begging you never to devalue carving out time for God. Don't do it, man. Please see the value that God wants in that secret place. We've been talking about that secret place. We've been talking about going into your closet, your prayer closet, shutting the door. Shutting the door. And I bet you if I ask a lot of you, do you have a time carved out to spend with God, I dare to say there would not be many. 
that most of it would be just spouting off a prayer here, or spouting off a prayer there, or, or now I lay me down to sleep, or praying at dinner time. But I'm telling you, there is value and benefit to carving out, even though you're already a holy person, even though you have the presence of God with you, even though you can commune with Him all day long, and I'm not bringing condemnation on you with a message like this. I want you, as God draws you, I hope God in the coming days will draw you as you're watching TV to say, turn it off, Mackenzie. Would you just turn it off and come to your, come with me? Would you just turn it off and come spend time with me? I, ho- I hope He'll just draw you. Will, will, will you. will you say no to the friends today and just... And just Come, come be with me and, and just come to that place where God wants to commune, where He's inviting us now into this place where He wants to show you all kind of truths about you and about Him. I want to close with this in just a moment. I want to close with uh, uh, something that uh, my favorite preacher last week preached on. And it's simply this. It's, uh, he, I told you the week before last that he... Um, that he mentioned, uh, da, 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 let me find it, because you prayed, because you prayed. And there was a place in Hezekiah, in, where Hezekiah and the Assyrians, it was Isaiah, Isaiah 37. And maybe get that song if you find it. You might have something better, but if you don't, uh, there's a, um, you said it, I believe it. Uh, yeah, that song. It gives you a lot to go off of. You can Google that. You'll find it. C.C. Winans. Hezekiah, uh, as I said, was a king. What time is it? Let's sit here. I know everybody tells me. Oh, man. I could sit here and waste some time. (laughs) No, I mean just. uh, No, no, you're right. It's not wasted time. Uh, Isaiah 37. Last week, Hezekiah, uh, we said um, there was something interesting about Hezekiah. And we said that uh, he was in a bind, that the king of Assyria was invading. And he had 185, I believe, uh, 1,000 army that had swept through Judea, uh, through Judah, and was coming. And it was right outside the gates of Jerusalem, threatening to take over. And we said something interesting that began to happen. Hezekiah began to, rather than intercede and pray to God, which he should have done, he began to negotiate with the king. And you remember I said he took off the gold off the, off the uh, temple Things that were, I mean, blasphemous, terrible to do. He took off and went and said, give this to the king and tell him, hey, we want to be friends. Don't invade us any further. And so, but, but it didn't work because how I many know you can't bargain with the devil? You just can't bargain with the devil. He always takes more. He, he'll, he'll make that negotiation and then he'll, he's a liar. He's a liar. His very native tongue is that of a liar. So he's a liar. So, so he tries to make this deal and all of a sudden he writes a letter and sends back letters to Hezekiah, blasting Hezekiah's God. God, just beginning to really defame the name of God. God sent us, your God sent us here to destroy you. I mean, he just starts putting him down. I mean, he's talking smack. He is like really a trash talker and a good one. And he's just doing this and doing this and doing this. They take the letter to Hezekiah and finally Hezekiah does what he should have done at the beginning. Rather than negotiating, he begins to spread the letters out before God. He goes into the temple and he begins to go into that place and he spreads them out and says, God, see See what the king has said? And he said, we need your help. Deliver us. Do something now like yesterday. And the Bible says they went to sleep that night after they prayed. And when they got up the next morning, God said something. He said, you go back and tell Hezekiah before that. He said, he told the prophet, you go back and tell Hezekiah, because you prayed, 
And it's, that's the very words in Scripture. I'm going to do this. And that tells me prayer needs to be done and it works. Well, I got a new phrase for you this week. And it's just as good or even better. And it's in Genesis 32. And how many remember the story of Jacob? It's my, one of my favorite Old Testament stories. Jacob swindled. Swindled his birthright out of his brother. Jacob and Esau, two twins. And all of a sudden the Bible says that, that, that the older automatically gets the birthright. And Jacob, you remember, he's a heel grabber. He's a deceiver. He's coming out of the womb grabbing the heel of his brother. He wants, he, he, there's been this wrestling of two nations going on in this womb. And he wants the blessing, man. And all of a sudden one day Esau, the hunter, the red man, comes out of, of the, from hunting all day. And he's famished and he's hungry. And Jacob's over there cooking up a nice pot of stew. And all of a sudden the brother says, man, give me that stew or I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Please give me some of that stew. He says, all right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you some of that stew if you give me your birthright. He said, man, I'm going to die anyway. You can have the birthright. Just give me the stew. It's a type of the flesh. It's a type of saying, I don't want any suffering here. I'm not going to go through anything bad. I'm not going to go through any difficult. I'm going to do what my flesh wants to do now. I want heaven now. I don't want to wait. Wah, 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 wah. I don't want the cross. I don't want suffering. I don't want to buy. I don't want this kind. If this is what Jesus means, I don't want it. I don't want to wait for heaven till this on down the road. I want it now. And, I, and so he compromises. He, he wants his now. And he takes it now. And the Bible says all of a sudden he realizes what he's done. He gets, I mean, furious. He is going to kill his brother. I mean, kill him. So mom begins to say, get, get your stuff and get out of here now. Go to my brother's labor. Go to my, my family and stay there for like a long time till your brother cools down. And so Jacob goes and he leaves. And all of a sudden he stays there. And you know the story. He gets, he, he gets a, Laban's a better swindler than he is. But God blesses him. God blesses him so abundantly. God's favor and his presence is on him. He's the, he's the blessed seed. It's going to come through Abraham and through Isaac and through Jacob. And all of a sudden, so this man's here. All of a sudden, finally, God has come to Jacob now. And he's told Jacob, it's time to go. So Jacob comes to Laban and tells Laban, it's time to go. I'm going to it's time for me to leave and go back to where my people are and all that good stuff. Well, at a certain point, he's headed back. He hears that his brother Esau is coming. And here's the deal. Not only is his brother Esau coming, that would be he wants to meet his brother, and, but, but he knows that he's coming. And he hears that he's got 400 men with him. Now, here's my deal. I, look, we, we're going to find out in a minute the answer to this story is Esau doesn't kill him. But here's the thing. I believe Esau, I don't believe you bring 400 men just to come hug guy, some guy's neck. I believe that there's something going on here that, that, that he brings. He brings this entourage of 400 people with him that he's coming out to meet Jacob. Well, Jacob does the same thing that Hezekiah did. And he negotiates rather than pray. And what does he do? We're going to divide the family up. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 
these goats and these sheep and these everything. Give him all kind of gifts. I mean, give him, give him bunches of gifts. I got plenty. Give him lots of, lots of gifts. And here we're going to break the family up. He had two wives and some concubines. Let's break them up and break their families up. And we're gonna send, I'm going to send one on ahead this way, one behind. Because if one gets killed there, but Jacob's smart. He's like, man, I'll just stay back and let y'all go first and see what happens, right? <laughs> Very selfish man, right? And all of a sudden, the Bible says, I want to I read it, and then I'm going to close. Because now I'm lying, and I'm preaching to you two sermons like I said I wasn't going to. Genesis 32. I want you to see this. So leave that there. So Jacob went on his way. And the angels of God met with him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahamanam. And then Jacob sent messengers. And that's what I just told you. He's negotiating. Then it comes down. Then the messengers are returning saying, we came to your brother Esau. He's also coming to meet you with 400 men that are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid, distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks. And he said, if Esau comes to one of the company and attacks, then let the other company, then then the other company which is uh, left will escape. And then uh, Jacob said, and here's where Jacob finally wises up. And he began to pray. And look at what Jacob says in verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God, my father, Abraham and the God of Isaac and the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and, 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 and I will deal well with you. And I'm not worthy to be the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I've come with two companies. And then he says, deliver me. It's the same thing that Hezekiah finally wised up and said, O God, help me and deliver me. I pray for my hand from my brother from the hand of Esau for I fear him lest he come and attack me and the mother with my children for you said I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for a multitude how many remember when you had children when they got you and you remember how they got you Tom They came with these three words, but you said, Dad. You remember that? You remember when your kids would come, and all of a sudden you've done something, and you let out a a promise to them, you said something to them earlier in the day, and now you're tired, and you don't want to fulfill your word, but all of a sudden they come to you and say, but you said we could go for ice cream. Got me. If I'm going to be a man of my word, I've got to go get ice cream. Right? But you said we're, if we did all of this for this amount of time and raised this much money, we would go on a trip. Right? But you said. And that's exactly what is happening right here with, 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 uh, with Jacob. Jacob is coming down to a place and he is in a bind and he is negotiating and now he needs deliverance and he begins to take God's word back to God and saying, but you said. But you said, God. But you said. And that's exactly what happened because if you go back to Genesis 28 that's all he is doing is going back to Genesis 28, 12 through 15. He's going back and reminding 
reminding God of something He said earlier to Him that He promised to Him. This is when the ladder was going up and down through heaven and it was called Bethel, the place of God, the house of God. This is where God opened up the heavens and spoke to Jacob and said this, Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up to the earth and its top reached into heaven and there were angels of God that were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I, the Lord said, but you said. Come on. It's not blasphemous. He said it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give it to you and your descendants. Go to the next verse. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And in you and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back into this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. God, you said my brother can't kill me. God, you said you will bring me into the land. And folks, that's how we're going to in this uh, message today because there's a lot of you saids in the Word of God. Listen to what 1 John 5, 14 says. This is the confidence which we have before Him that if we ask anything according to His will, if He said it, it's His will. He hears us. Right? And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from Him. So here's our prayer language for today in closing. Lord, You said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. God, you said when the enemy comes in like a flood, you will raise up a standard against it. Uh, God, you said greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God, you said by your stripes I am healed. God, you said in Romans 8.37 we are more than conquerors. God, you said in, in Romans 8.31 if God be for us, who can be against it? us? God, you said the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous can run into it and they are safe. God, you said I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. God, you said you are my refuge and my strength. You are a very present help in time of trouble. God, you said I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. I'm not going to lose my mind in this last day. You said God, you said you would put angels around me and protect me. God, you said if I give tithes and offering, the windows of heaven would be open. Overflowing blessings would be poured out. God, you said you will pass through the waters and I will be with you. And when you walk through the fire, be, I will, you will not get burned. You said in James 4, 7, God, to submit to God, resist the devil, and he has to flee from me. You said, God, whatever we ask in prayer, believe that you 
you have received it and it will be yours. You said God to call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things. God you said, you said, you said and you can take Scriptures all through that word and go up to God and say, God, but you said, you said it, you said it, I believe it. We used to sing songs like this. Some of you look like we're not supposed to do this. Standing on the promises of God. Was that not what we were supposed to do? Is that not a you said moment? God, but you said. We're going to play this song. And we're going to go to prayer. We're going to turn this into a holy of holies just for a second. About three to five minutes, something, this song. And we're going to pray. And those that can stand, if you'll stand, or if you want to kneel, or if you just want to sit, that's fine. But I want you to worship. And this is how I want our prayers to go today. But God, you said. My brother's bearing down on me. I believe that prayer I believe it changed Esau's heart. I, I, just, I just really do. The Bible doesn't say that, but I believe that that prayer changed Esau's heart and turned him into a man that came. And when he comes and sees his brother, he winds up hugging his brother. Don't you think God can do that? And so this is going to be our prayer today for Russell. God, we need a miracle. And you said... You're still in the miracle business. Amen. And God, we, we, need, we need prayers for Margaret Say, And God, you said in your word, by your stripes we are healed. God, you healed all kinds of lame people in the word of God. We're, 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 we're calling on you to touch uh, this foot or this leg or whatever's going on. And God, you said, Lord, I, I saw it one time. You come and you, and you healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law uh, from a fever, God. You can touch my wife right now and heal her of a migraine. Amen. And so let's just take God's word. I, I believe he loves, I, I believe, he, I believe he, 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 he wants us to come to him and, and, and to uh, remind him of his word. I, I believe that, uh, that, that there's nothing wrong with that. I believe if you want God to listen to your prayer, I believe those three words can be powerful. But God, you said. And so uh, this song says, you said it, I believe it, it is done. And, uh, and so let's, let's sing this song. If you, if you need something from God, this altar's open. And you can come and pray.